guys, welcome to the They're So Also podcast, a Catholic podcast for teens by teens. Today we'll talk about why we go to Mass. One of the most basic definitions of the Mass is that it's the highest form of prayer. Barry, would you like to elaborate on that? Yes, so that is the most basic definition, but there's a lot more to it. We go to engage in the Word, we learn from the priest, we hear scripture, we go to engage in the Eucharist. The primary reason I think we go to Mass is to Engage with our relationship with Christ. We spend time with him and we grow in that. You can also think of it as your best friend or someone that you really enjoy hanging out with. The more you hang out with them, the better your relationship becomes. And you can work through struggles and difficulties and just have fun. And that's how your relationship with God can be. The more you spend time with God, the closer you become with him. So maybe look at a relationship that you both have love for each other, you both enjoy each other's company, and see how often you hang out and how much that grows, and maybe turn that to your relationship with Christ. Okay, do I actually spend time praying each day? Do I engage at Mass? Do I actually listen to the lecture or the priest? Do I sing, sing the songs at Mass? And do I spend time at home in prayer? Maybe it could be a memorized prayer, like the Hail Mary or Our Father. But either way, every time you pray, you are talking to God and you are allowing your relationship to grow. And remember to also give God time to speak to you, maybe in silence. But I think it's really important to see how much am I spending time with other people and how much am I spending time with God. As you guys know, communication is a vital part in a relationship, but also communication means that it isn't one-sided. So as you talk to God, you also have to listen for God as well to engage and grow in that relationship. Prayer is kind of like texting. If you want to talk to your one of your best friends, you pick up your phone and you text them. But with Jesus, you don't even have to pick up anything. You just make the sign of the cross and you start praying. So... Prayer. Yeah. <laughs> the world's greatest wireless connection. <laughs> Prayer is one of the best ways to communicate with God. Spending time is a fundamental part of any relationship. And with God, that's so important. Not just in the Mass. If you only spent one hour a week with your friends, right, that'd be a pretty sad friendship. And you wouldn't be able to not just spend time with them, but you wouldn't be able to learn. You wouldn't be able to work through your difficulties together. So one of the things I thought we'd talk about is everyone has their favorite things to do with a friend. I thought we could talk today about our favorite thing to do and that's those little practices that help make Mass more meaningful and personal experience for us and help us to grow in our relationship. So, Katerina, you want to start? Sure. Uh, one of the things that I do during Mass is I veil, which is a tradition that it was required for women up until Vatican II and then that got changed and it became optional, so many women decided to opt out of that. But bailing was brought to my attention probably a couple of years ago when I saw some counselors at the camp that we've all gone to. Um, and I was I had no idea what they were doing, and so I went home and I, I did some research, and I was like, ah, I don't know. And then my confirmation sponsor, this previous year, she bails as well. And so I got to talk to her about that and see the reasons why she bails and it really inspired me. And so bailing, it's a way of, for me, it's a way of keeping my head in the mass 
and it's an, it's in an, it's in an imitation of Mother Mary. And if you look around the church, most churches the tabernacle has a veil over it. The altar, the altar has a veil over it. Some of the anvils also have a veil over it, and it's because those things are sacred. And so veiling can also have that meaning of since we are a temple for God's. When we consume the Eucharist, we become a temple for Jesus, and so therefore our bodies are sacred. And so the veil can also be a symbolization of that. So that's one of the ways that I I help to keep my head in the mass and help to strengthen my relationship. Fun fact, another reason why people wear veils is because in the Bible and in like earlier cultures, hair was considered your crown. And so it was a way of like lowering yourself down in the presence of God and failing yourself. That's super cool, guys. I didn't actually know that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but um, one of the ways that I've really started practicing as I've gotten older was saying that prayer after Mass. Um, a lot of people just get up and leave, and I don't think they realize what just happened, or they just set it aside. But it really allows you to thank God for allowing you to, for allowing you to receive Him. And it's a respect, and you have come, and a lot of people start Mass in prayer, but they don't end Mass in prayer. So I like to end that and then get up. And I don't say anything to anybody. There Sometimes there's people talking right next to me, but I just quietly pray and then get up and leave the church. And I think that's a practice that should start coming back into the church. Um, for me, what I like to do this little meditative process before church. So I kind of like, I imagine like a scene. I, a lot of times it's in miniature. And then I have like this little temple in there, and the temple's kind of all dirty, and it's supposed to like symbolize my soul because you know you have sin, and so it like kind of ruins it, and so it's kind of run down and dirty. So then I do a series of prayers that I like to call sorry, thank you, please. And then basically I go through and I say the things I'm sorry for, and then I praise God, and then I ask for like one or two intercessions, or like as many as I need. And then I go through and I imagine that's kind of helping clean up the temple a little bit, but it's still like it's it's like broken at this point. So then when we go to Mass and we say the thing where we say, um, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word and my soul shall be healed. That's I imagine like yeah. I imagine at like that point and then when I receive the Eucharist, it kinda like sets it all together and cleans it up. Like, you know, like in a Disney story when like the fairy comes through and like everything is a brand new dress or like <laughs> clean and pure. So yeah, fairy. That's really cool. That's cool. I like to yeah. do something like that at the beginning of Mass. I have a really hard time struggling with guilt about receiving the Eucharist. And it took me a long time to realize there's a difference between the guilt that you were when you do sin, that your conscience gives you kind of that was a wrong thing, and the guilt that Satan sometimes gives you, which is trying to separate from separate you from God that you have sinned so much, you aren't worthy to receive the Eucharist, you aren't worthy to be in a relationship with God, and you can't be reconciled. And I really suffered with that, and it led to me sometimes not receiving the Eucharist. It took me a long time to realize, you know, that I still need to form that relationship with God, and not receiving the Eucharist doesn't help. So one of the things I do is my church, thankfully, offers confession the Saturday before. So I always like to go for a little bit of holy hour and go to confession. And that just really helps set me up for the Mass that's going to happen tomorrow. And then the other thing is, um, I'm sure everyone struggles with this, is focusing on the readings during Mass. 
especially you can't always count on the lector to do it well. Reading the readings before mass is so amazing. You, it's in your head in a much more uh, firm way. And during the mass, you focus and you hear things just a little bit better. Those key phrases that God wants you to hear really stick out. Teresa, do you have anything you want to add? Oh, that's really hard because I, I like the whole mess. I like driving to the church to get to mass. I like driving away from the church after mass and how great I feel. Um, I would say that my favorite part of the mass is after after receiving communion while the priest or the deacon, and it used to be the servers, were cleaning the altar. That is my favorite part because I feel like I'm I'm looking in at something very sacred that's happening that nobody else gets. And sometimes sometimes I'll be the like one of the only people still kneeling while they're cleaning the altar and and not realizing that when you fold up the corporal or the patent or the pall, that little tiny fragments or even just dust of the Eucharist is still present and that that's still the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Christ. And that is sacred. One fragment, yeah. that's the cool thing of the Eucharist. One fragment of the Eucharist, one small piece is right. the whole body and blood of Christ. Right. And so sometimes like even during COVID when when you get maybe a small fragment of it and you feel like you got completely jipped out of it. And like, <laughs> I didn't get like all Jesus, but you you know, we know in our mind that we did because even just one crumb, you know, or one drop of the precious blood will be the full body, blood, soul, and divinity of Christ. But I think that's my favorite part because um, just watching them and how they care for that and making sure everything is in its place and rightly so and then give it to the server or you know i always loved it when the server did it because they seemed to show that what they were doing was precious so yeah i hope they bring that back soon and allow the servers to do it or at least the gold servers to do it yeah yeah i think um my family actually got the opportunity to go to the holy land this last march and the priest that was there with us he really started to emphasize the epiclesis when the priest called down on the Holy Spirit onto the Eucharist. And it was so cool because he would start with his hands up in the air and then he would lay his hands and he said, like, the Holy Spirit going to Mary and, like, giving her Jesus. And then he, when he broke the bread, he would do it very slowly. And it was so cool to watch because... That's like Jesus making himself available to everyone, and there's a piece of him for everyone. And it really helped me know that every little moment of the Mass is so significant to each other, and that I found was really cool. What do you say to someone who says that Mass is boring? It's not about them. It's about Jesus. And, um, <laughs> okay, but, you know, I mean... Yes. Um, if it's boring... I would find a way to get involved in the Mass. Maybe you can do hospitality, altar service, sing, lecture. There is so much that you can do to help with the Mass that I think if you find the opportunity to participate in those things, Mass might not be as boring because you're not just sitting there. Um, I think that's a way that if you have a talent of singing, leading, altar serving, whatever it is, 
ask your priest or other people in your parish that can help you with that because I think if you find yourself in the work of the sacrifice of the mass, then you will it will help your boredom go away. And we're only human. I think one of the things is I mean, even the most holy person, one of the most in touch, I guess, with in touch is a bad word. One with the deeply with a deeply formed relationship with Christ feels like bored sometimes. And part of that is we're only human. Something that can really help with that is understanding the mass. So oh, yeah. what is that reading? Which one? About the miracle. Oh, oh I forgot to pull that up. Um, but it'll be in the show notes. So I'll give you the link. All right. There yeah. is a reading about a woman who, it hasn't been fully confirmed yet, but she received a vision from God describing what really goes on in the Mass. And I would definitely recommend everyone read that because it is the most amazing thing you can even imagine. It talks about angels, your guardian angels coming forward during the, um, the Holy uh, Holy. The Holy Holy, all right. of them singing those songs with you. So even yeah. when the choir sounds bad, the angels are there lifting up that voice. Or how Mary is kneeling before the priest when he is holding up the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. Reading that is something that would really, really help you to understand more deeply appreciate the beauty of the prayer of the Mass. Well, also visualize that. I mean, if you could, mm -hmm. if you really could see what she saw, and that thrones and dominions, like that's a lot of angels, you know, and they're all over the priest, and Mary's there, and Jesus there, and there. And and also what she said at the end of that article of how we need to pray for our priests and that when when we are in adoration, we should be thanking God for all of the priests because they give us the mm -hmm. Eucharist. And if it wasn't for priests, we wouldn't have any of the sacraments, you know. So that was that was one thing that I got out of that article, besides the majesty that she saw, that was just incredible. Um, obviously, if something like that happens to me at mass, they'll have to probably take me out in a stretcher because <laughs> that would just be way, way too much for my my human eyes to handle. Find that link in the description below. I would definitely 1010 recommend reading that because yeah. it will change your experience with the mass. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And if you still struggle, struggle, maybe bring it to prayer and ask God to help you not get distracted, focus on the Mass, and help guide you through the whole entire beauty and impact and significance that the Mass can have on you. So I would recommend Well, also, if you don't know something about the Mass, ask. Mm -hmm. You know, like ask the priest or look. I mean, I'm not kidding. Google knows a lot. Okay, so um, you know if you don't know, uh, there there are hundreds of books out there on the mass. Uh, a lot of them I've read, and some of them have been over my head. I don't get me wrong; I love Pope Benedict, but I couldn't get through the first chapter on the liturgy that he wrote. And um, Scott Hahn's books are a lot easier to read. But just ask your priest, like you know, if there's something about the mass you don't know. I'm sure he would love to share it with you or where it comes from. And there's a whole part of the catechism that's just on the Mass. Sometimes, like, it's the part, like, if you've gone to Mass your whole life, sometimes it's easy to see it's like, oh, this is kind of like routine, this is like a chore. But a way that I like to think about it is I kind of like take it out of where I am. Like, I imagine I'm not like in this exact church or like I'm not even in my city. 
Because if you think about it, God's beyond time, right? He created it, but he's far beyond it. So then all the masses are like happening at the same time. And so if you like you kinda like take yourself out of the place you are and you like you're in like this like celestial area where like everybody is celebrating this um this Eucharist and this like amazing sacrament at the same time you have like thousands of voices singing and like all these people praying. It's like a really powerful um image to see. And you could always try going to a different rite. There are 28 different rites within the Catholic Church, and they are all in communion with Rome. And each of them have a different way of celebrating the Mass. And so you might prefer one rite over another. There are rites that are more difficult to find just because they're not as popular. But I think more the popular ones are the Roman rite, the Dominican rite, the Byzantine rite, the Eastern Orthodox rite. and then there are harder ones to find, like the Vincenzen or the Franciscan. Mm-hmm. Um, but you could always try and find some of those other rites that might help you to worship the Lord through the Eucharist better. Another thing that we probably take for granted is that you can go to a Catholic church anywhere in the world mm-hmm. and the Mass is the same yeah. everywhere. Like we took our daughter to Latvia for a hockey tournament. It was an all-boys team, and she was the only girl, so we had to go with her because she couldn't be, you know, with all the boys. And we went to this beautiful church, and it was all in Latvian. We didn't know the language. And my husband had just been baptized Catholic, and he was so happy that he knew when to sit and stand and kneel and why and what was happening. And and then, uh, you know, going up for communion, that we're all in communion with each other. It doesn't matter if you're in Europe or Australia or the Far East or mm-hmm. wherever, but our Mass is the same everywhere. The same thing happened to my mom and I when we went down to Guatemala on a mission trip. Everything was in Spanish. We didn't know a word of Spanish. We didn't understand the homily at all, but we knew like when transubstantiation was happening and we knew when it was time to go receive the Eucharist. and just being able to see how the culture impacted their music and just some of the things that went on in the Mass, but everything was still the same. Like the basis of Mass was still the same. We still knew that it was truly Jesus in the Eucharist and we were going to receive him. Recap, why we go to Mass? Why do you go to Mass? To strengthen our relationship with Jesus and to learn more about him. And other people, right? Like the yes, other people. Yes, that is really important part of the mass. <laughs> we should be praying for everybody around us. Yes, too, right. Okay. That's one of the yes. beautiful things of the mass. Is it's a communal thing. It's meant to be Carolina present. Oh, it's meant to be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she witching in her wink. Yeah. <laughs> like it's flirty, and you're like, oh. <laughs> I'm spreading God's love. <laughs> mass <laughs> is meant to be a communal. Mass is meant to be a communal prayer, which is a really beautiful thing about it. So you, you can't... Shut up. Oh, oh dear. Here we go again. Well, I was going to say private Mass, but that's like an old thing, and then just not relevant. The that's a beautiful thing about the Mass. It is a communal thing. So when you go to Mass, there are all of your friends and neighbors. And we even say it on the confit- confitior. 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 
where you say, I confess to one God and to my brothers and sisters, and then you ask them to pray for you because you have sinned. Mass is a beautiful communal prayer, which you do with everyone around you, right? That's why priests should not say Mass by themselves, because it should be with the community. And most of them have to say Mass every day. The first Masses were actually based on community. So it was a communal feast, it was called the Agape. And early Christians would meet up and they would have, you know, basically a potluck. <laughs> so they would have their Mass, which would have the offertory prayer. So um, things the church is praying for, things asking God for. They'd pass around the collection you know, basket and collect donations. They'd have homily, they'd read from scripture. At the end, they would have a potluck where everyone had some food that they would bring in and they would share a communal meal. So that community aspect is essential to Mass as we know it. We are strengthened by our brothers and sisters and grow in our faith through that. So go to donuts after Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's where donuts came from. But then Agape got taken away because people would grow gluttonous and drunk and Oh, that's not a good idea. No. You don't do that And donut ministry is essential. That's something you guys if you want to take Let's let's remember to let the bishop know that if you know, we ever have another lockdown that donut ministry is essential. <laughs> it is. Most okay. churches have little labels on the cover, you know, donut ministries. Oh. Okay. All right. With that, we're going to round out this episode. So to end out this episode, we are going to... I'm going to have a fun question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to have my, myself repeat, but... I like that. Round out and Pop question. <laughs> we're going to close this episode with... We are going to close this episode with a fun question. That question being, if you could go to lunch with anyone, dead or alive, who would it be? Preferably alive. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Oh. <laughs> and not Jesus, because we already go to a meal with him every day. Yeah. If you so desire and go to Mass every day. <laughs> oh, yeah, I wish. <laughs> okay, for me, multiple people. Wait, can they be imaginary? Verdi's got imaginary. Friends. You got Loki on there? <laughs> Spock. Okay, Spock. Can they be imaginary? Okay, go for it. Okay. For me, it would be Spock. I am a. Just Spock? Not like the whole, you know, Shabani. bridge crew? Just Spock. Very oh, That'd be cool, Verdi. I love that. <laughs> be really proud of Why not? Yes! This is a wonderful idea. It has to be from the original series. So I am a Trekkie. And I love the original series. They make me very happy, especially because they have really strong moral values. I would want to talk to Captain Kirk, Spock, and Dr. McCoy. They are very smart people, filled with kindness and bravery. I think they would just be such interesting people to talk to. All right. Well, <laughs> I was thinking about that earlier. I'm like, if I could have lunch with anybody, who would it be? Now, all right, I know. Call me crazy, but I would have lunch with Saint Teresa of Lisieux, Saint Teresa of Avila, oh, and gosh. Saint Teresa of Calcutta. Oh, that'd be so. And then the four of us like break bread together, and I would just sit there and listen. 
And I know that sounds like an impossible thing for me to do, but I really, really would. And I know all three of us speak differently, four of us speak different languages, so I would want to also have the gift of being able to understand everything they were saying. If you're speaking in tongues. Yes, absolutely. Or yeah. Google Translate. That yes. works too. Oh, yeah. Translate. My yeah, Spanish teacher doesn't let me use that, actually, guys. It's not very helpful. Doesn't, doesn't get the tenses in if I went to lunch with I with anybody, I would choose two people who I think would get along really well. First of all, guys, it'd be my boy JP2, and then um, are you named after him? Indeed, I am. So we know it was John Paul. How are you named after him then? Um, his name in <laughs> Polish is Carol Wojtyła, and um, Carol's like the it means Charles basically. And Carolina is the girl form of Charles, so nice. Mm -hmm. But then the second person who he and JP2 I think would be best friends is Spider Man. Which, 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 which one? Which one? <laughs> the persona of Spider Man, but probably not Tobey Maguire, just because Andrew Garfield and Tom Holland just I think did a better job. Do you want them like wearing their Spider Man? A big girl, Peter Parker in there. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I think they would. So you're right. You want the character of Peter Parker, not like yeah, Tom I don't Holland. Want, Tom Holland can come if he wants, but um, <laughs> I won't say no. I'll deny the invitation. <laughs> All right, Jack. Okay, um, everyone already knows what I'm going to say. Yeah. <laughs> um, I want to go. I really want to go to lunch with Father Schmitz. I almost got to go to brunch with him and my family, but that didn't happen. So that would be my dream. Or St. Trans of Lisa, because she's my company. So that would be cool. All right, I would choose my great Nana. She's, she sounds like such an inspirational woman. I never got to meet her. But from all the stories I've heard of her, she was just an amazing woman and ahead of her time in some areas and just really great woman. So I, I wish I could have met so her. Cool. Yeah. yeah. All right, with that, we are going to end. Close with so we are going to close with prayer. <laughs> Who prayed last time? I think Sophia prayed last time. Okay. So who wants to pray? Wow. Okay. Okay. I love you, Jesus. <laughs> All right. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Hail Mary. Full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for our sinners now at the hour of our death. Amen. Blessed Pierre Giorgio, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. Please follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and at Versal Alto Podcast. We have an Gmail, podcast at gmail.com, and our website, versalaltopodcast.org. And send in any questions you guys have. Questions for us specifically, or questions you have about the faith. We want to answer them all. And any prayer requests that you have. Yes, definitely. And any ideas for future episodes as well. And our next episode will be about the crazy things that Catholics do during Lent. Yeah. Until then, say goodbye, ladies. Bye! Bye. Bye. <laughs>